The thought, isn't it, that Jesus loves me. I'm surprised he knows me, and then to think that he loves me, that's an amazing truth. I do know me, and I wouldn't love me, but Jesus does. And man, that's a, that's a wonderful truth and a wonderful thought. Good to see you this evening. I think if we, are, if we behave ourselves, we may see the sun tomorrow. Now, I'm not sure. But uh, I, I think I read somewhere that if everybody thinks I'm a good preacher, we may see the sun tomorrow. So somewhere in this sermon, you've got to say amen. Uh, well, us preachers can make it up, can't we? Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea. He hangs around there with Daniel. And if you find Daniel, you'll find Hosea. And we want to go to Hosea chapter 7. Hosea chapter 7. And let's begin reading in verse 8. Hosea 7 and verse 8. There the Bible says, Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face, and they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. When they shall go, I will spread my net upon them, and I will bring them down as the fowls of the heaven. I will chastise them as their congregation hath heard. Woe unto them. For they have fled from me, destruction unto them, because they have transgressed against me, and though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me, and they have not cried unto me with their heart. When they howled upon their beds, they assemble themselves for corn and wine, and they rebel against me. Let's pray and we'll ask God's help. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for the absolute privilege of being in this church and with these people. And Lord, we confess to you that we need to hear from your word. Holy Spirit, we need you to work in our hearts and teach us your word. Lord, I pray that you would show us truth tonight. And I ask you for a working of your Holy Spirit. I pray that not one person, to include the preacher that preaches the message, would just hear this as some academic message. Or as they hear it, think of someone else that maybe should have heard it. But I pray with ears to hear, every one of us would hear the truth of this message and examine our own lives by it. We talk about revival, wanting revival, needing revival. Oh God, our nation. We're so hurting. But Lord, revival is not going to start out in the city. 
Revival is not going to come because uh, some great country has some reform. Revival has to start in places like this with people like us. And Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to hear your word for our own lives tonight. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to preach on something that I know a little something about tonight. The title of my message is just very simply this, Gray Hairs. I've come to the stage of life where I would take any color of hair. Uh, I'm just trying to hold on to what I can get. But gray hairs, isn't that an odd thing for the Lord to say? Uh, when he says in verse 9, strangers have devoured his strength, he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. Some places in the Bible, gray hair is a picture of something very positive and very laudatory. Somewhere, some places, a gray hair means that a man or a woman has lived and they've gained wisdom. And because of the wisdom that they've gained and the experience that they've had, that, that you're to seek after the hoary head, the Bible calls it. And we're to seek the counsel of that person. And, and there's much that we can gain from sitting down and listening to them. I think one of the great sins of our generation is that not only do we not seek the wisdom of those who are older than us, we despise the wisdom of them that are older than us. And we actually come to the place in our generation where uh, those who have experienced life and understand and know some things are, are mocked by uh, a younger generation. And I don't mean that as a general statement or to indict or indicate that that's true here. I'm just saying that we live in a generation where youth is everything and, uh, and uh, being a little bit older or elderly is uh, something that's not counted for very much. Gray hair, however, is not just a symbol of wisdom in the Bible. It is also a, a, a symbol of decay. Now here's the truth. If you could run the clock back on this preacher some 50 years, I would not have any gray hair. And I would have a full head of hair. I don't know what happened. I can grow eyebrows. I can grow hair in my ear. I can grow hair everywhere. But I cannot grow it on the top of my head. You know why I've lost that hair and why what I do have is turning gray? Because I'm decaying. I don't mean to be morbid tonight. I don't mean to be negative. But I want to remind you of something. And that something is this, that we are born to die. And from the minute we come into this world, we start a process. It looks at first like it is progress because we're getting bigger and we're getting stronger and we're learning new things and we're becoming new things. But then the truth is that process kind of reveals itself as life goes on and we realize that we were born and we progress and we are progressing towards dying. We're decaying. Now we can, we can do some things to maybe affect that a little bit. We can take all the vitamins we can get and we can take all the supplements and I'm not against that. I'm for that. But I'm just saying I don't care how often we work out, how right we eat, how, how much of the right stuff we take, 
we, if the rapture does not occur first, are going to die. And we may put it off a little bit and, and uh, we may alter the, the life that we live a little bit by what we do, but we are all on the path of decay. Are you encouraged yet? But I want to tell you something. What is true in the spiritual life, I'm sorry, the physical life does not have to be true in the spiritual life. I wasn't born in 1975, but I was born again in 1975. And when I got saved, I got on fire for God. I did. I loved everything about it. It was all new. I loved it. I loved his word. I loved going to church. I loved the music of the church. I loved the people down at the church. I loved it. I loved telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I was on fire for God. And now some many years later, here's the truth. I can still be as on fire for God at my age now as I was when I was born again. I do not have to decay. And you know what I get a little bit weary of? I get a little bit weary of people who say, well, you know, I was on fire for God when I got saved, but I've been saved for 40 or 50 years and I know a lot of stuff. Well, if what you know has taken the fire out of God, of God out of you, it ain't growth, it's backsliding. Being a mature believer does not mean we grow cold. It doesn't mean that we cannot be as hot for God then as we used to be. And as a matter of fact, spiritually, when we see a gray hair in our life, we ought to pluck that thing because you and I need to be hot for God every day, every age, every stage of our life. I tell my wife, if she puts me in a rest home, or if we go to the rest home together, I am going to sit on that porch in that rocking chair and hand everybody that goes by me a track. I think I'll be too old, they'll feel sorry for me, and they'll take it, amen? Now I'm being a little bit silly there, but since when does growing in the Lord and maturing for the Lord mean that we're not as in love with Jesus as we were when we got saved? Folks, there's something wrong with that. I don't want to be of the generation that says, I used to. Now, I may not be able to do everything as I did when I was younger, but I tell you this, I want to find something I can do for the Lord and be hot for the Lord and be serving the Lord. I do not want to be put on a shelf, and if I'm not careful... I can let my life get to that place. Gray hairs in my spiritual life can rob me of my service for the Lord who saved me. Did you know that we were saved to serve? We were not saved to sit. We were saved to serve. And you and I need to be conscious 
of the areas of decay in our life as a believer. And though I cannot stop the process of decay in my physical life, I'm going to die. I can stop the process of decay in my spiritual life. And I can serve God all the days of my life. Now as I come to this passage, I think God identifies four spiritual gray hairs that you and I better be very careful of. And that means that I'm not going to examine my brother, and I'm not looking at my sister, I'm looking at me. And if I see it, I'm going to pluck it out. I want you to notice with me. Number one, I see the gray hair of a false testimony. The gray hair of a false testimony. Look at verse 8 again. Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Now Hosea was a prophet who prophesied and preached and warned that, tri- that group of people that I talked about this morning that went out under Jeroboam, they went to the north and they founded their capital at Samaria. They were known as Israel, but they were also at times in the Bible referred to as Ephraim. Ephraim was the largest tribe, a powerful tribe, and so they just became known at times. God would say that's Ephraim, but he meant those ten tribes in the north in Samaria and known as Israel. And God says about them through Hosea that they are a cake not turned. He's mixed himself, and he's a cake not turned. What's that mean? Well, the illustration would have been understood by them right away because back then when you baked bread, you didn't have a convection oven that caused all the heat to be equal in all parts of the oven. You didn't have a modern way of baking. You either baked your bread on an open fire, on on a hot stone. If you were really well off, you might have a brick kiln or brick oven, and you would put your bread in there, but what you would understand real quick was it had a hot side and a cold side. And the baker didn't just turn the button and wait till it dinged a little bit later and know the bread was done, the baker, and when I say the baker, the woman of the house, had to stand there and attend to that bread, and she had to constantly turn it, constantly turn it, because if she was not there to turn it, it would get real hot on the hot side and get real burnt on the hot side, and the rest of it would not even be good and luscious and brown, and it would be hot and burnt on the bottom and mush on the inside. And so here's what God is saying. Hey, Ephraim, hey, Israel, you know what I know about you? You're a cake not turned. You've mixed yourself. You have, you have done what I told you not to do. And you know what you are, Ephraim? You are appearing to be something on the outside. You're not on the inside. Can I say that again? Ephraim, you are appearing to be something on the outside that you are not on the inside. Now I want to tell you something about myself. I want to be well thought of. I want people to think I'm a good guy. 
I want people to think I'm a nice guy. I want people to think I, I am the most spiritually minded preacher you've ever seen in your life. And you know what? Sometimes I am. Did you hear what I said? Sometimes I am. Let me tell you something we all have. We all want to be well thought of. And so sometimes we want to appear to be sold out for God. We want to appear to have all of our ducks in a row, everything as it should be. We want to appear to be nothing but in love with God when, hey, we know the truth about ourselves. That inside, there's battles. And inside, there's struggles. I'm not saying to you that the man who is a cake not turned or is the biggest hypocrite is a guy who has inside a little bit different than the outside. I'm saying to you that's every one of us. I'm telling you that the guy that is in trouble is the one who settles on it and says, I'm okay with that. And I'm, I'm willing to give off an appearance that I know is not true in my life. And I'm willing to let people think that while I make no effort in my own heart, in my own life, to be what I want people to think I am. You say, now preacher, you're not preaching sweet like you did this morning. Right. When I was pastor of Heritage when we built our first building, one of the things I loved, my office was on the second floor and I had a big window that overlooked all the parking lots and, and I loved, I know it's going to sound strange, but I just loved watching people come to church. I loved watching them pull in and you know the minivan door would open up, the husband would have a Bible and he would walk on into church and the, the mother would have seven baby carriers and four Bibles under each arm and she'd walk into church, you know. And then I'd go preach on being a good man. <laughs> but I watched one guy for a long time, and, he, and it was so peculiar what he did. They would get there fairly early. They would park in this front parking lot, and there were three doors across that front parking lot. And his little wife would get out and bring their children in and go over here to the children's wing and put the kids in the nursery. And I would watch that guy. He would walk all the way around the parking lot to the rear of the building and he would come in the rear of the building. I don't care if it was pouring down rain. I don't care if it was 99 degrees. I don't care if it was 20 below and snowing. He would do the same thing every Sunday. So finally I went to him and I said, brother, why do you bring your family, park in the front and then walk all the way around the back? And here's what he said to me. Well, because so-and-so is a greeter at those front doors and he and I don't see eye to eye. And his solution was instead of getting right with his brother was to avoid and walk all the way around and come into that auditorium and sing about loving the Lord Jesus and appear to be just what he should be. 
I've announced my topic and, and had, them, had people open their Bible and preach on a subject and hear somebody say amen to something that I was preaching knowing full well that they were not with me, that they did not agree with that thing. And I've thought to myself, why would you amen something that you didn't agree with? And, and the answer is because I want people to think well of me. We had a prayer meeting at our church every Saturday morning at 7.30 for the men of our church, and we brought our boys with us, and our boys would, I wanted my sons to learn to pray, and learn to pray with men, and then they would, they would play for a couple of hours while we did some work and so on. And uh, as part of that, when, when we would go to our house from our church, we would always go past a 7-Eleven. I don't know if you have 7-Elevens here or not. But in, at 7-Eleven, I would go in and get a cup of coffee, and I'd want my boys, hey, thanks for coming, and did a good job. We'd go in, they'd get a Slurpee or, or whatever those wonderfully healthy drinks are. And uh, it just so happened outside that 7-Eleven was one of those perfect oak trees. I mean, it was, the girth of it was just huge, and it was so symmetrical, and it would come up and out, and man, in the summer, it would leaf out, and, and I just thought that was one of the most beautiful trees I'd ever seen, and I would take my boys, and I'd take my cup of coffee, and they'd take their Slurpees, and we'd go over and sit by that tree, and, and, and many times, dozens of times, I'd say to them, fellas, I, I want you to know that your dad wants to be like this oak tree, that I want my life to be like this oak, I want it to have the appearance of being strong, and I want it to be strong, and I want to I provide a place for your mom, and a place for your sister, and, and a place for you, and guys, I want you to grow up like this oak tree, I want you to grow up straight, I want you to grow up strong, and I'll never forget one Saturday morning, as we were going to men's prayer meeting, we'd had a horrible storm the night before, and lightning had hit that oak tree and split that thing right down the middle, and I don't know if you've ever seen this, but that oak tree, as beautiful as it looked on the outside, was rotten and empty on the inside. And shattered, and there was nothing but bark. There was just nothing there. And boy, I called my assistant pastor. I said, run prayer meeting. I got something I got to do. We pulled into that parking lot. We went over there and stood in that mud. And I said to my boys, guys, I want you to know that your dad never wants to be like this tree. I do not want to live looking like something I am not. And I don't want you to live that way either. I want you to be what you say you are. I want you to love what you say you love. I want you to care about what you say you care about. And my friend, the great lesson to us is this. Every person in this room is fallible. Every person in this room is made out of the same dirt as everyone else. Every one of us we fail. Every one of us, we sin. But every one of us live under the grace of God and we can get it right. And we can become what we say we are. And what we need is a generation of people in churches like Pleasant Beach Baptist Church 
that say, I'm not done yet. I'm not there yet, but I'm not satisfied with where I am. And I'm going to continue to grow and to become what I say I want to be, a man, a woman of God. Unwilling to say I'm close to the Lord and have no devotional walk. Unwilling to say, I love God and I want revival and never be willing to tell one person about Jesus. Unwilling to say, I'll pray for you and never pray for people. Unwilling to say, I love God and my neighbor and have a grudge from 30 years ago against somebody in this church. My wife and I sat in an intensive care waiting room one night with a lady. And we were asking her and praying with her and trying to be an encouragement to her as her husband was so ill. And she started telling us a story and she got red in the face. It was something uh, someone had done to them in a hospital or something like that. And, and it was, man, I could tell she was getting angrier about it every minute that she was talking about it. And I thought, well, man, as a preacher, I better try to fix that. that, that I, I could maybe do something about it. I said, when did that happen? And she said, 42 years ago. Folks, I'm just saying we can all have the possibility of having stuff like that in our lives. But I'll tell you when revival comes. Revival comes when we say what I appear to be, I'm going to be. If I say it's important, if I say amen to it, I'm going to see that it becomes part of my life. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to become satisfied and content with something false in my life. Here's number two. The gray hair of a fruitless life. Look at verse nine. Strangers have devoured his strength and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth it not. Man, what a strange statement. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. A consistent theme in the word of God is that the loss of God's power is rarely obvious and violent, but it is more often a subtle process of decay. There was a day when Samson stood up to throw off his attackers, but he didn't know that the Spirit of God had left him. Oh, he'd had opportunity over the years to get things right, but he had always just relied on his carnality. He had always relied on his physical strength. And then one day he just recognized, the Spirit of God's gone. I can't do what I used to do. Did you know that King Saul remained king long after God had removed his hand from him. Long after David had been anointed, yet Saul continued to sit in the king's seat. Did you know that David continued as king and went to the temple and sang his songs and made his prayers for a full year after his sin with Bathsheba? 
Did you know that? But it was a full year before Nathan confronted him. And oh, can you not see David? Oh, he'd put on his kingly robes and he was known as the sweet singer and he would go down to the tabernacle and sacrifice would be made and people would come and they would seek his judgment and his wisdom. And you know what he did at night? He rolled on his bed because he was tore up inside. Because he knew his sin and it was eating him out inside to the outside. Oh, but he still went through the motions. Did you know that Ichabod was written over the temple, but services and sacrifices went right on? And did you know that in churches we can teach our classes and captain our buses and even preach our sermons and be as empty as an empty cardboard box? Hey, I've been doing this for 44 years. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I know how to put a three-point outline together and find a poem. I know when to raise my voice and when to lower my voice. And I can go through the motions. But my motions don't bring the power of God. And I wonder, folks, how many Sunday school classes are taught prayerless. I wonder how many Bible studies are led prayerless. And I wonder how many times we go through the motions. We come into an auditorium. We sit where we sit. We sing what we sing. We know when to smile. We know when to stand. We know when to sit down. We know when to leave. We know all of it. We go through the motions. But we can't do what we once did. And we don't do what we once did because the power of God is not on our act. It's on our hearts. And God looked at Israel and he said, man, you're empty suits. No, we have to look at small things to see when the power of God is leaking out of our lives. Let me mention some things. We'll see the indications of coming fruitlessness when we look at the lack of appetite in our lives for what is good. We'll see the coming fruitlessness when we look at the appetite for what is good. You remember when you first got saved? I do. I remember when I first got saved. It wasn't old hat to me. I, I wasn't in Sunday school. I didn't know the stories. I didn't know the gospels. I didn't know it. And I got saved and I started reading the Bible. I, I drove a forklift in a roofing factory. And I, I would go into work after I got saved and they started calling me Preacher Edwards. And I went in there because I was excited about what I read in the Bible. And I said, guys, one night I remember this sitting around the lunch table. I said, guys, do you know what it says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world and I'm, I'm excited about it. They said, everybody knows that from a child. I didn't know it from a child. When's the last time you got excited 
about something you read in the book. When's the last time? You remember when God would take his word and just open it up to you and you'd go, whoa. Well, preacher, ah, I've been saved 47 years and so that allows you to not get something from the book? That isn't growing. That isn't maturity. That's cold, man. Because that book is new every day. That book teaches us something about life every day. My stage of life changes, and I need God's word every day. And I'm just telling you that if your Bible study life is not fresh like it once was, that ain't a sign of growth. It's a gray hair. How about this? The services of church, if not neglected, are endured. You're thinking to yourself, does this guy know what time it is? And the answer is no, I really didn't. Used to be you'd go and say, man, I can't believe what was just preached. I can't believe. I never saw that. I didn't know. Now it's just, oh, man. Could he get done? Oh, we never say it out loud. We say it in our mind. You say, well, preacher, I've heard better than you. Well, la-dee-da, that ain't hard. I'm sure over the years you've heard the best there is. But I want to tell you, when the book is opened and preached and our reaction is you think you'll ever get done, that's not a sign of growth. It's a gray hair. Hey, not only that, one last thing on this, service is forsaken. You used to be in the choir, but man, I can't get there at five o'clock. I got, I got other stuff to do. You used to give, but now you find yourself, you may give, but you don't give as generously. You don't give as gladly as you once gave. You used to care about souls, and you'd go soul winning. You'd carry tracts. You'd get excited about Easter. What's that? There's flyers? We can get people here at Easter? You know what? You know why a lot of people don't get saved in our churches? There's not a lot of lost people in our services. Because God's people have grown cold. Because church is where they're served, not where they serve. I'm just saying, take a look at yourself. And if your Bible study isn't exciting anymore, or if it's absent, and if your prayer life, you're not seeing many prayers answered anymore, and, and if you don't care as you used to about souls, and, and you're just not excited about the church. That's not growth in the Lord. That's not because you're maturing in the Lord. It's because you've got gray hairs all over you on your spiritual life. And it'll lead to fruitlessness. How about this? A lack of sensitivity to what is evil. How do I know I'm moving towards fruitlessness? How do I know something's wrong in my life? It's not like it used to be. Well, you become content with a lower standard of Christian living. You become flippant about faithfulness and sin. Well, I used to do that, but I don't see the need for that. 
You find yourself watching something in a movie or on TV or listening to something that you would have never listened to before. Well, preacher, I've matured. No, 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 no. You've changed, but it's not matured. You become indifferent to conviction. As a matter of fact, you can't remember the last time you were moved when the Word of God was preached. Oh, you thought a sermon was good. You've agreed with something. But you can't remember the last time God just reached down in your heart and said, buddy, that's you. Folks, sometimes we accept things into our life because we think we've been at it so long that we just know so much. In truth, what is really happening is we're just decaying and growing cold to things that we really need to be hot about. Here's number three, and I'll go quicker. The gray hair of callousness. Look at verse 10. The pride of Israel testifieth to his face, and they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. Say, preacher, what's that mean? Well, that means this. Hosea wasn't the first preacher God sent to him. Matter of fact, God had sent prophet after prophet after prophet to Israel, and each prophet had preached to them, you're growing cold, you're growing distant from the Lord, things aren't how they should be, things aren't how they used to be, you're getting distant from the Lord, and they would preach, and they would preach, and over and over they would hear it, they would hear it, they would hear it, and you know what happens when you, sometimes when things are repetitive, and it goes over and over and over, you grow a callous on your heart and it doesn't even penetrate anymore. And what God is saying, hey listen, because of your pride, you've come to the place where you hear a message and you know it's true and it used to move you, it doesn't even penetrate your heart anymore. You had somebody tell me one time, you know, preacher, I'm concerned. Because you preached that over and over again, and man, it used to slay me. I'd get under deep conviction about it, but to be honest with you, preacher, it doesn't even bother me anymore. Hey, folks, you know where I'm afraid we've come? We've come to the place where we have churches of Dry eyes and empty altars. Filled with programs. Doing lots of stuff. But our altars are empty. Our eyes are dry. Because we've begun used to it. You see, sin makes us insensitive. And here's what I would say to you. If the Holy Spirit of God will drop down into Elizabethton, Tennessee and come through the doors of Pleasant Beach Baptist Church, and by the way, this is exactly where he wants to come. (laughs) 
and walk the aisles of this church and walk down your aisle and speak into your heart and say, hey, some of this is you. Some of this is where you are. Our response ought not to be, I'm not going. If I go down there, people will think something's wrong. Something is wrong. If I go down there, they'll think I'm in deep, wicked sin. Hey, if you don't get it right with God, you'll end up in deep, wicked sin. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that sometimes our hearts can get calloused. And what God is saying to us right now is this, break through that and let my Holy Spirit really examine you. Are you where you once were? Is what was vital to you in the early years of your salvation still vital? Are you still having a powerful time reading the Word of God? Hey, Does God still answer specific prayers? Do you pray it and then write out the date and the way God answered it? Is God still using you to impact lost souls? Hey, I know we've got cliques of friendship and we love each other, but is anybody getting saved because of your testimony? Goodness gracious, we, we fuss about the world. It's as lost as it can be. And then we close ourselves off and don't go get them. We used to. Well, we grew. We matured. No. We got hurt. We got cold. And we don't want to do what needs to go back to it. Here's one last thing and I'm done. Let me tell you a fourth gray hair. Fourth gray hair is the gray hair of silliness. Look at verse 11. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt. They go to Assyria. Let me unpack that just a little bit. You know what God is saying? Israel, you are my people. You're mine. And if you would cry out to me, if you would get right with me, I would be the answer for everything you face and everything that is wrong in your life. I'm willing But you know what you do? Because you've grown so prideful and because you won't respond to my my invitation to you and because you don't want to go back to where you were and do what you used to do, you know what you do? Instead of calling out to God when you need help, you run to Egypt. God's people going to Egypt to find the help they need. You know what Egypt is, don't you? It's a picture of the world. You know what I see churches in our day doing? Not running to the altar to get right with God. They're running to find some new method in the world. Thinking that what we need to do is change it up in the church because if we had a new kind of music, 
We'd reach them. No, you wouldn't. I know what we need. We need a new version of the Bible. That'll fix it. No, it won't. I know what we need. We need a new preacher. No, you really don't. You got a great one. We need some new program. We need this. We need that. I know what I need, preacher. I'm not getting fed here. I need to go to a new church. And you know what? We're like silly doves. We flit here. We flit there. We rest here. We go there. We rest here. And you know what we really need? We need to beg God for the power of the old time gospel in our lives. That's what we need. We don't need something new. We need a revival of walking in the old paths. That's what we need. How do you get it, preacher? Well, God outlines it. Verse 14, he says, they've not cried unto me with their heart. Oh, they've got their stuff. They gather their stuff and they look at their stuff and say, look, we're blessed. We've got our stuff. And we go through the motions. And our Bibles aren't rich like they were once rich and our prayers aren't powerful like they were once powerful. And nobody seems to be getting saved, not much. But I'm not going to cry out to the Lord because I think this new music will do it. I think this new program is going to do it. No, we need revival. And revival is when God's people humble themselves before God and cry out to God and say, I don't want an empty devotional life. I don't want to just read my Bible to check the box that I read so many chapters. I don't want to just read a prayer. I want to pray. I don't want to go through the motions in my Sunday school class. I don't want to go through the motions when I lead the Bible study. I don't want to go through the motions of that. I want it to be real. And folks, I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care what your title is. I don't care what your status or your position in life is. If you want it to be real, it starts here. When we put the pride aside and we say, God, I want people to think well of me, but there's some little something in my life that's just not where it needs to be. And I want to get it right because I want to pluck that gray hair and I want to have a real and vital walk with you like it used to be. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we come to you tonight. We confess the truth that we're sinners. We don't like to think of ourselves that way. We're saved. And we do love you. And Lord, I know who I've preached this message to tonight. I've preached this message to the absolute cream of the crop at Pleasant Beach Baptist Church. People that would spend three hours on Saturday and come on Sunday morning on a rainy, nasty day and come back on a rainy Sunday night 
and sit in a room like this and listen to preaching like this, and I know it's been hard. But I also know that if revival is going to come, it's going to come in places like this. It's not going to come in places where people could care less. It's going to come where people care. And Lord, I pray for the people and for the preacher, this preacher, that preached this message, that Lord, we would set pride aside and we would just say, more than anything in my life, I want your word to speak to me. I want to be what I say I am. I I, I want my prayers to be answered because I'm interceding for my family. I, I want to have influence with people that are lost because they're truly on their way to hell. God, I don't want an old calloused heart, an old pride filled heart that can't get right. And so, Lord, I'm crying out to you. Would you make it new and fresh? Would you anoint me again? Oh, not in salvation, but anoint me with a knowledge and a sense of the presence of your Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, work, I pray, in this invitation. I ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Would you quietly stand to your feet? The preaching's been done. You know if God spoke to your heart or not. We're going to sing a couple of verses of invitation. Don't look around to see if somebody else is going to respond. If God spoke to you, you respond. Would you come as we sing?